You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. I can't wait for us to get into this episode with Alexandra Fasulo about freelancing. But before we do, I just wanted to ask a favor. If you could go to earnandinvest.com slash survey, we are taking a survey which helps us with two things. One is we do have advertisers and to make sure these advertisements fit our community, it helps to get a little demographic information. And also for the future of the show, when I'm deciding who to have on and which topics, knowing information about you, the community, is very helpful. It will take just a few minutes. It's completely free and easy and anonymous. Just go to earnandinvest.com slash survey. It would really help us out. Thanks. This is Alex Fasulo, and you're listening to the Earn and Invest podcast. Edelman Intelligence recently conducted a research study for Upwork, a freelance jobs platform in Santa Clara, California. It surveyed 6,000 working freelancers and employees between June 15th and July 7th of 2020, and they found that among other things, 59 million U.S. workers performed freelance work in the past 12 months, an increase of 2 million people year over year. The composition of freelance workforce is getting younger as 50% of Generation Z, 44% of Millennials, 30% of Generation X, and 26% of baby boomers freelanced at some point in the last year. The top two occupations for new freelancers are in technology and finance business operations. 96% of new freelancers say they will do more freelancing in the future, and 58% of workers who are not freelancers and are new to remote work due to the pandemic are now considering freelancing in the future. Although we didn't need a pandemic and social distancing to prove the importance that freelancing plays in our current economy, 2020 has brought to light much about this often-talked-of mechanism for making a living. Platforms such as Fiverr and Upwork have created a thriving digital and remote freelance environment in which many are either making a full-time living or at least fulfilling their side hustle needs. The question remains, is this the wave of the future or just a fad? And more importantly, can you really make a living doing full-time freelance? In 2015, Alexandra Fasulo, a.k.a. the Freelance Fairy, quit her lofty New York City public relations job after working for just four weeks. She had no plan, no money, and no idea what would come next. She just knew she couldn't work for a company any longer. What she soon realized is that quitting that job was the best thing she could ever do. It thrust her into the world of freelancing on Fiverr.com, where she is a six-figure freelance writer and freelancing personality on podcasts, talk shows, and blogs around the world. In this broad-ranging interview, we talk about how she stumbled into freelancing, the types of jobs she has found most lucrative, and address some of the hate she has received from going public with her success. $500. I couldn't believe it. They were going to pay me $500 to write a 500 to 800 word blog post for their medical website. This was in 2010, and I had been working as a physician for years, and frankly, I was burned out. And I was looking for ways to make money outside of medicine, and this opportunity totally changed my mindset. If I could make $500 twice a month by writing this blog post, what else could I do? At the time, I looked around, and I really couldn't find that many opportunities. Today, however, we live in a whole different world. With remote work more accepted than ever and platforms like Fiverr, opportunities abound. I was ready to leave the 9 to 5 back then, but didn't have the options. Are you? And is taking on freelance work the answer? 
Alexandra Fasulo quit her job in New York City in public relations in 2015 without a concrete plan. Since then, she has built what justifiably could be called a freelancing empire that earned well over six figures in 2020. Alex, welcome to Earn and Invest. I want to start way back when in 2015. Tell me about your first job. What was it doing and how long did you last there? (laughs) Hi, Doc. Thanks for having me on the podcast. So yeah, in 2015, I left a government job. I was working in Albany to take a PR job in New York City. I was 22 at the time. And I come from a small town, actually a village technically. So I'd always dreamt of going to you know the big city. It was two hours away. So I was in Albany at the time. So New York City was only two hours away. So I applied to 200 jobs. And finally, a PR firm that actually specialized in doing PR for technology companies hired me. So I accepted the job and had to move down within two weeks. I really did not know what I was getting myself into or the culture shock that was going to come moving from an Albany to a Brooklyn, New York, of course. And I was working that PR job for four weeks. I absolutely hated it. They had me doing account uh, manager work where I was sorting Excel files and making sure that fonts are consistent and emails. All of these things are, if you knew me personally, you uh, would know that I, A, would hate that and B, would be terrible at it. And that's exactly you know what ended up happening for four weeks. And at the end of those four weeks, I didn't know much, but I just knew that I couldn't work that job another day. And I quit it. I started freelancing full time, merely because I had nothing else to do. I, I had nothing, you know, I, I, I had nothing left to lose. So I started freelancing and very quickly discovered that I was quite happy doing that. You know, the rest is history. Six, seven years later, here I am. Now, you say that relatively flippantly. I quit my job and started freelancing full time. I mean, did you like have a plan coming out of that job? You're like, four weeks, I quit. I can't do this. I don't know if you had college debt. I mean, you had to cover your living expenses. Presumably, you were in New York City at that time. Like, what did you do? It's funny because when I look back on it now, I see that I was always naturally a risk taker and I never considered myself one. And when I look back on doing that, people will say to me like, oh my God, how did you do that? Like that was such a big risk. And I'm like, I guess I didn't see it that way because I've always seen life as I'd rather sacrifice or I guess take risks to be happy than to not. And I didn't realize that that made me different than most people I knew who would trade their happiness for comfort. I'm like, screw comfort. I want to, I want to enjoy living. Like I want to be excited when I wake up every day. I don't want to dread you know, Monday through Friday and live for the weekends and be a weekend warrior. I, I, none of it made sense to me. So no, I had no plan in place. I had been saving money while I worked in Albany the year prior. I've always been not frugal with my money, but I definitely have always drifted towards the side of saving. I went to a state school and so did my sister. We were in the SUNY system in New York at the same time, which my mom kind of begged us to do because it gave her a really big tuition break for us. And the state school's are like 15K per year for tuition as opposed to, you know, 60K elsewhere. And I graduated a year early. So I really tried to do my mom a solid with my college tuition. We kind of made a a pact with it. So I was fortunate enough by 22, 23 to not have student debt, which I do recognize probably made this decision a bit easier for me. And that's why you actually catch me now on the side of encouraging people not necessarily to go incur that student debt before they absolutely know what they want to do with their lives. And you will catch me encouraging my social media followers to take online courses and do a bunch of things before they're 18 to see if they necessarily even need to go to college because I want them to be able to do what I was able to do. Yeah, the importance of a debt-free degree can't be understated. I just had mm-hmm. Anthony O'Neill on the podcast who wrote the book, The Debt-Free Degree, and we had a very similar conversation. Clearly not having a huge amount of college debt gave you a lot of power. Let's talk about what freelancing is. I know it sounds like a silly question, but what is freelancing? And didn't you feel some sense of imposter syndrome? I mean, you were still pretty young. You didn't have decades of job experience to back you up when you were going to freelance. How did you feel comfortable doing that? Yeah, I mean, I felt quite uncomfortable in the beginning. I absolutely felt the imposter syndrome. I had those few clients who, you know, flipped out at me or you said to me, you're way too young to be doing this. This is why you're so terrible at this. Like, you know, I had I had some uh, moments where I almost quit. You know, I almost said, I can't do this. I'm too young. I'm too green. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. So it was rough in the beginning. Absolutely. And again, that's why I try and like, 
be that person now to people so they don't have to feel so alone doing it because I felt lonely. I felt the imposter syndrome. I felt a lot of things, but I'm stubborn when it comes to many things in my life, if you ask people close to me. (laughs) And I was stubborn about still choosing my freedom. So I was like, all right, nothing, you know, it's nothing is perfect, obviously. So this is the downside now of having freedom is I'm going to have to deal with this. And I was like, you know what? I still choose freedom over walking back into that freaking office place. So I'm going to learn to work through this however I need to do it. And with anything, you know, like one year, two years, three years, with each year you do it, the imposter syndrome gets you less and less and you get more and more confident in your ability to deliver as a freelancer. I know you asked, what is a freelancer? A freelancer, it's almost hard to explain, but it's basically somebody who you hire on a per project basis. So, you know, you are your own business, your own boss, and you pick who you work with. And each time the project's completed, it's done. Like that's the end of the contract. You don't actually work for that company. You just lend them your skill set when they need it. And that's the arrangement of freelancing. I think that's the simplest way I can explain it. Tell us about what some of your early projects were and were you using a specific platform like Fiverr at the time or how did you find these projects? Yeah, I was relying heavily on Fiverr, although I did sign up on Upwork and other sites. Fiverr just happened to be the one that took off for me. So everyone always says to me, why Fiverr? And I'm just like, it's just because it's the one that took off. That's really it. I was offering editing press release writing, blog writing, and website content writing. And still to this day, my clients on any given day can range from... Actually, today I had a famous person. I've now learned I can't disclose who because I did that once and got in trouble. So today I had a famous person, which was exciting. Um, I had some famous people even when I was starting out because Fiverr is anonymous. So it's against the platform for me to come on here and tell you who I worked with, nor do they know my name. And that's kind of, I think, why it actually draws some celebrities onto it. But any given day, it could be a celebrity, it could be a small business owner, it could be another entrepreneur, it could be a Fortune 500 company. I mean, it can be anyone, you know, will buy a blog for me, they'll have me edit their about us, you know, they'll have me write the about us. That was what I was doing in the beginning and honestly still am today. Now, a lot of people, when they think about something like freelance or hear your story where you're making way above six figures they think that this success comes immediately. So talk to us about that first year. How much did you make and how much of a struggle was it? I post about this a lot so people understand. And that first year I made 36K, which was actually exactly what my salary was going to be at that PR company. But I was able to do it, you know, from my bed uh, on a train doing whatever I wanted. So it was a much better 36K to me. That first year, a couple months in, it got overwhelming I was charging low rates. So a lot of people were flocking to my profile because word had gotten out that I was delivering, you know, satisfactory content. I can't say it was great back then, but it was probably decent. I hit a point where I was working like 16 hour days for months and months because I didn't want to say no to the business. You know, it was great. And I was really grateful for it. So that first year didn't make a ton of money. As far as New York City goes, I I recognize 36K is a perfectly fine salary in other places in the world, of course. So I was working a lot. I was making 36K and I was still happy. And then the next year, I was still working a lot, raised my prices slightly enough where it doubled, you know, to 68K I made that year. Cause I went from charging 10, $15 to 20, $25, do the math. And then the third year was when it got crazy with the Fiber Pro launch. Yeah, we're going to talk about 2018 because yeah. I think that was the time where you really jumped forward. But before yeah. we do, I want to get back to what you just said. You said the work was satisfactory. Tell me about the evolution of your skills. So you started as a freelancer. In some ways, as a freelancer, we almost look at you, right, as the expert. Someone comes to you as the expert to do something for them they can't do on their own. And yet it sounds like your skills probably evolved quite a bit in those few, first few years. I think it's fair on a lot of these sites because when you start out as a new freelancer on these sites, like on Fiverr, there's a ranking system and you can only advance to a certain ranking by how much time you've spent on there and how many orders you've done. So to be a Fiverr pro or a top rated seller, that automatically is telling the buyer that you have been doing this for years and that you are worth the price tag that you come with. So when I was first starting out and charging five, $10, I was also very transparent about it with people. I, w- I never tried to lie. And I would say, I'm a 22 year old. I'm a 23 year old. You know, if you go check my 
profile says, I'm a 28 year old, you know, I'm very honest about my age throughout the whole process and charging lower rates. I mean, you get what you pay for. So when people were buying a $15 blog, I don't think they were expecting it to be the best blog they've ever read in their entire lives. You know, now when I charge hundred dollars for a blog, there's a different expectation that I have to meet that I only could have met after years of doing this, you know, to mature with it because now people expect a $100 blog, which means, you know, it can't suck. <laughs> so I, I do find it's fair because if you're charging a low rate, you have to when you're first starting out anyway to get those uh, reviews, to get your account moving. So I, I found the, the pricing progressed along with my skill set, like very naturally. So let's talk about what happened then in 2018, because there between 2017 and 2018, the income you brought in really increased quite a bit. You mentioned Fiverr Pro. What changed that year? Yeah, so Fiverr Pro actually launched in 2017, but they didn't really start pushing it out until January 2018. And what Fiverr Pro is slash was is Fiverr's effort to move away from their $5 brand, which is unfortunately like in the name of their business. <laughs> but they were starting to get that reputation of, you know, oh, if you want the crap cheap work, go to Fiverr. If you want the good stuff, go to Upwork. And I think they were tired of hearing that. So in 2017, Fiverr Pro was their top 1% of the platform program that existed almost separately from Fiverr. And it's hand-picked talent, you know, vetted, very carefully monitored. People are brought in and out of it constantly. And that was their effort to kind of move into this more, you know, luxury end freelancing. I was chosen to be part of it because I had been on Fiverr two to three years at that point. I think they could see, you know, okay, this girl signs on every day. Her clients are happy. She shows up, she gets the work done, you know, let's give her a shot. And they, and they invited me to be part of the rollout of it in 2017. I was in the commercial and then nothing really happened in 2017. So again, I was like, oh, this was a, a cool idea in theory, but Oh, maybe, you know, maybe it won't go anywhere. And 2018 in January was when it started to very much go places. <laughs> that was when like the craziness that is my life started and has never stopped since. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that craziness. I mean, how many hours a week were you working back then? And, and even now, like, again, people hear these big numbers, they hear about freelancing. And I wonder if they connect with how much time you actually spend doing these things. When it started up in 2018, I wasn't getting as many orders as I was in the beginning, but you know, they were four or five times more priced. So I was more so I think freaking out from a mental standpoint of uh, the imposter syndrome was back, you know, am I worth this huge price tag? You know, it's just little old me who's 25, 26, like, am I worth this? Can I do this? You know, I went through that freak out a bit. And then I, you know, got my big girl pants on and was like, no, you got this, you know, you can do this. Yeah, I was working long hours again. And then come June 2018, that was when CNBC reached out and was like, we want to cover this. This is crazy that you're earning this money. You made, you know, 150K in six months. I was like, sure, not knowing what would the you know come with having my income put into a major news article. Ever since then, I can't take that back. <laughs> so I've had to learn to embrace that the whole world knows what money I make. And I think that was all of 2018 was mentally like, you know, dealing with that. As you know, as everyone knows, it came back again in 2021 when CNBC did this again as a follow-up. It never gets easier having your income in the title of an article. <laughs> Tell us more about that. Like, what kind of blowback did you get? So the first time it came out in 2018, the blowback was from people close to me or who, or who I thought were close to me. It was personal almost. It was people who I think had no idea I was making that money. And when it became apparent that I was, they didn't necessarily love it. And it was a whole range of people. And it was hard. That was a hard year in my life, losing some friends and, you know, mentors and people and stuff like that. So that um, sucked. <laughs> but but then there was a great part to it. I was put on the map, right? So I wrote an ebook about it. And people started to, you know, email me and say, hey, can you help me with this? And I was like, wow, this is so cool. I can almost segue into helping people. And you know, that was my first taste of it. Some hate came to not a lot, though, yet. The major hate started last year because that's when I got on TikTok and started actually showing this money that I was making and showing my dashboard, you know, and showing all this proof really made people angry. And that's when all the Reddit and everything started up. And then the CNBC video in March of this year was just the cherry on the Sunday of, you know, everyone 
hating all of this, but I, I say that, of course, there's a, for every one hater, there's 10 supportive people behind them. So yeah, let's go to that CNBC article from 2021. When I was Googling your name in preparation for this interview, yeah. I mean, I saw like a 5,000 word article about how Alex Fuzulo couldn't possibly be making this much on Fiverr. And it also talked about a Reddit group, which you just referenced, in which I suspect people were trying to debunk your success. What do you tell people like that? Like they say, there's no way she could do that many projects in a year. There's no way she charges too little to make that much money. Like, what do you say to those people? You know, there, there is no direct comeback to it. And I think that's what's so hard and frustrating about it. And I've tried to come up with the best ways that I can. Last week, I posted a YouTube video, literally of a screen recording of me writing 2000 words in 32 minutes, because I don't know really how else. I mean, I've showed my dashboard, I've showed everything. CNBC looked at my tax returns, like they they checked this stuff before they print it. I know, you know, people can say what they want about the news and everything, but like they did literally look at my tax return. So it's like, I've come to a point now where I think I need to start training myself mentally almost to just stop looking and stop caring and, and stop giving them attention and trying to prove them wrong because there's literally nothing more that I could provide to prove any of this. I've, I've done it, you know? So I I think this year, the journey for me now is to elevate to a place where I just don't even look or care. And I think that's going to involve me possibly hiring the irony, uh, a PR person to, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> that is kind of ironic, isn't it's it? It's kind of funny. It, it is funny. I think it might involve me hiring a PR person who helps me separate myself from seeing some of this hate because it does upset me. I'm not going to lie. And for the trolls who are probably going to listen to this because they're obsessed, it upsets me when people say I'm lying about things because I don't lie. You know, you can say I'm bossy. You can say I'm aggressive. I post my money too much. You can say all those things. That's fair. But I am not lying. And that it definitely bothers me. And I think I need to separate from that. What does seem to come with success is the more successful you are, the more out there you are, the more hate you're going to get. Let me connect with one thing you just said there. You said, I posted a video of me writing 2000 words in 32 minutes. That is a lot of words, right? So (laughs) I've done writing before I've done writing for money. It begs the question, okay, let's, you know, I believe you. I think you do this. I think you make this money. But the bigger question then to me would be, is this reproducible? Like, because that's a lot of words in a short period of time. Most of us could barely get that many words out and not make sense, much less put together a book or a blog post. Yeah. I mean, you tap into one of the fundamental problems with scaling this business that I've been exploring for the last three years now. And I've tried everything and I, you know, I work with a few writers now and they're great, but I'm kind of at the end of figuring out how to make this a seven figure business. I don't know if it is reproducible because it is unique what I can do. Plenty of other people can do it though. It's not like a once in a, in a lifetime human being here. I'm just efficient. I've been doing this for six years. I mean, when you do anything every day for six years, you get pretty fast at it. But as far as it being reproducible, I don't know if it is at a large scale. You know, do I want to let go of what I have now? No. But am I feeling called to go do other things now? Absolutely. So I am at a funny point right now where would I be a crazy person to walk from this money? Some would say yes, but to me, no, because I've never actually done this for the money and I have new opportunities now. So I am trying to still figure out though, how to establish this on a larger scale. And if anyone has any ideas, let me know because it's tough. It's tough. I want to talk a little bit about those new opportunities, but before we do, one of the detractors also kind of commented, oh, she hires writers and somehow that would take away from your message about freelancing on Fiverr. Does it feel innately wrong, for instance, to have people working for you as you finish these projects? Oh, man, I have a lot I could unpack with that. No, it doesn't make it doesn't feel wrong to me. And I always like to point out I did this completely alone for four years. I did this all by myself. I don't find that there's anything wrong with it because I believe, first of all, a lot of people have agency accounts on Fiverr and they're very open about it. No one cares. These people at the end of the day, when they're hiring you, they, it's actually technically not any of their business to know how you get it done. That's the arrangement because you're not their employee. 
so long as you deliver, you know, quality product that's not plagiarized, that is everything that you promise it being, you are fulfilling your end of the freelancing arrangement. In my opinion, that's how I view this. But I, I just think people get a little salty that they didn't think to do that too. And if I have to throw this in there, I also see nobody ever, you know, gets mad when men hire people under them to help them fulfill their orders. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. As an aside, I've seen you mention that, especially when you went on TikTok and were much more open, you got yeah. a lot of hate in being a woman in this space specifically, like a lot of people trolling you and specifically yeah. talking about your gender. It's funny because I used to be one of those people who would say like, you know, people would say, oh, there's a lot of sexism in the world or whatever. I'd be like, yeah, but just, you know, like, just run your race. Don't worry about it. And then I saw that I'm like, okay, no, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Cause I'm like ignorant to it. I guess I just wake up and I'm like, cool. If, if anyone posts that they did anything, I don't care what they look like, who they are, where they come from. I'll literally write. That's awesome. Good for you. Like, I don't care who you are, you know? And so when I started posting on TikTok, it actually shocked me that people associated my gender with my success. I was like, aren't we past this? Like what? I, I didn't think this existed. So it's actually turned me into someone who's become quite vocal about it. And I never thought I would be that person who's championing it a little bit, but I feel like I almost have to, cause I'm out here and I see these female entrepreneurs get freaking massacred on these social media apps. And I'm like, that's not cool. Like what, you know, I don't like this. So I was shocked and still am some days by the hate that I get for being a woman doing this. I don't understand what's the problem. I still don't get it. <laughs> Certainly, I've heard from a lot of other female content producers the same thing. I know as a man, sometimes I get hate, but it's not based on my gender. But even the small yeah. amount I get annoys the heck out of me. So I can't even imagine if hundreds of people were coming at me with this. We've been talking about, in the last few moments, some of the negative. Let's talk about some of the positive. Tell me about some of the really fun jobs you've gotten through Fiverr and some of the fun things you've created. Well, see, I have to be careful here because I can't like specifically state it. But I think one of the amazing positive things of freelancing all this time is that I actually develop friendships with my reoccurring clients. And they'll end up sending me their product and, I, and they'll send me like Christmas cards and I'll have never met these people in person and probably never will. But it's really cool because I've helped them out and, you know, they, they check in on me. And I, I think that's a really, really amazing part of all of this and it makes it all worth it. I wish I could share more about like the actual clients I've worked with because it's been really cool. Another cool thing of freelancing too, is I always get to know about new things before they arrive. And actually I can mention this one because it's a medium article, but I wrote a press release this week for a guy who is going to put the first NFT on the moon, <laughs> which is very interesting. And he, so someone's sending like a capsule to the moon this year and he put an NFT on a thumb drive drive in the capsule that's headed to the moon. It's just cool because I always get to know about this stuff ahead of time. And I love that. And I love learning. So every day I wake up and I'm like, yay, what am I going to learn today? And then as far as like just positive support goes, I mean, also, if you check my social media in between all the trolls, there's thousands and thousands of people writing the nicest things. So my faith in humanity is not totally lost. I don't want to show my ignorance here, but what is an NFT? Okay. <laughs> that No, that's okay. It's a non, I don't even know if you say fungible token. It's in the world of crypto. Got it. Okay. I know what that is. Yeah. It, I don't know uh, if I'm showing my age or my ignorance or maybe both at the same time. But no, it, it's like, I don't think anyone actually understands what any of this is. I think they pretend <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Let's take a short break. Alex Fasulo quit her job to become a freelancer on such platforms as Fiverr.com, where she makes well into the six figures every year. I'm Doc G, and this is Earn and Invest. This episode of Earn and Invest is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at BetterHelp.com earn and get on your way to being your best self. Listen. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right, but sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great, and therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships 
I know because when I went to better help, one of the relationships I wanted help with was that with my father. You see, my father died when I was seven years old and I had a lot of unresolved issues. My therapist at BetterHelp was actually really good at helping me talk about those issues and start to find answers that normally I would have tried to find with my father, but since he was no longer around, I had to find them on my own, and having a therapist was incredibly impactful in that journey. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com earn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot earn. Wish you were in early on some of the best-performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020? Our crowd investors were, and now you can join them in what's next. With our crowd, accredited investors have access to invest directly, easily, and most importantly, early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies IPOing like Beyond Meat or being bought by companies like Nike, Intel, Microsoft, and Oracle. Our crowd's investment professionals leverage their extensive network to review some of the most promising private companies and startups in the world. Today, you can join our crowd's investment in Cytoreason. Cytoreason has partnered with five of the 10 largest pharma companies to deliver life-saving drugs at a fraction of the time and cost. Cytoreason's AI models the human body at the molecular level, completely changing what's possible in the trillion-dollar drug development landscape. You can get in early on Cytoreason and other unique opportunities at rcrowd.com slash EAI. If you're interested in investing, you need to join our crowd. The R Crowd account is free. Just go to ourcrowd.com slash EAI. Let me reintroduce you. Alexandra Fasulo, a.k.a. The Freelance Fairy, left her New York City public relations job after four weeks to pursue freelance work on Fiverr.com, and she has never looked back. The other thing I found interesting is you seem to have thrived during the pandemic. How was that? I mean, did it feel uncomfortable as people are complaining about joblessness, etc.? You were busier than ever. Yeah, it was super uncomfortable feeling. It's a great word for it. It was really weird. That's what I keep saying. Very weird that the world around us was crumbling. People are dying. Stores are closing. And the world of freelancing is taking off. But then if you think about it, it makes sense because all of these businesses that previously relied on foot traffic and you know in-person interaction can no longer do that. So they had to pivot online. And I actually you know, enjoyed helping a lot of these businesses come up. I opened a consultation gig. I helped them come up with ways to stay open during a pandemic by, you know, launching things online that they never thought to launch. And I'm over here and I'm like, you have to go online. Like you're going to sink so bad in the future, you know, please like now is the time. So I definitely like shifted more into, I think a role of like trying to save these businesses from ruin I mean, yeah, along the way, it was incredible for my business, which is such a weird thing to say. And it made me feel kind of uncomfortable. I'm like, do I post this on TikTok? Do I make people uncomfortable? And then I'm like, no, that I shouldn't look at it that way. I should post it so that people who have lost their job or who are, who are being furloughed can see that there's still hope and that they can just go freelance. And I was like, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to try and help these people somehow by posting my story. So it's a very weird feeling. It makes me uncomfortable still sometimes. I'm like, oh, is this coming across as gloating? You know, I wish there was a way for me to share my story without also making people think I'm gloating. If anyone has any ideas, let me know. (laughs) It brings up the idea, too, of survivorship bias. Sometimes when we see in the world, in social media, these people who are really successful like you, you know, the big question is, could everyone be that successful or are the people who tend to float to the top, the outliers that we learn more about? We've talked a lot about the positives of freelancing. What are some of the downsides? Well, I mean, the biggest downside of freelancing is the customer service component, AKA when you have a crazy buyer. And I think what's shocking about it is people who come from a corporate job or working for someone is used to having a buffer between themselves and the client. You know, they work for this business, that business entity is the buffer at the end of the day. When you're freelancing, there's nothing. 
It's just you. So these people can tell you you suck. They can say your writing's terrible. They can do all these things and not get reprimanded for it. And it's just kind of you sitting there taking it. So it's that right there. It can be dealing with crazy personalities, isolation, feeling lonely, um, you know, imposter syndrome, a lot of loneliness can come with it. I felt it at times, especially starting out six years ago, nobody knew what freelancing was. Like when I would tell people, you know, Thanksgiving or at the dinner table, what do you do? I'm a freelance writer. They'd be like, I don't know what that means. Like we're going to skip over her, you know, and it would suck three. I went three years where not one person would ask me about me or like what I'm doing because nobody understood it. And I still think a lot of people still don't understand it, but now they at least recognize that I've done something with it. So I I think that's, yeah, the loneliness part of it. And then I imagine there are also some financial issues like healthcare, right? So if you go work for a company, they may provide healthcare for you. They may match a 401k. Obviously, some of those benefits you don't get when you work for yourself. That's correct. The only thing is that I've never quite understood is I have not found healthcare to be a super confusing or terrible thing for myself when I was in New York. I purchased it from the New York State Marketplace, nys.gov. Now I purchase it from the Florida Marketplace. It takes a couple days and it's always been proportionate to my income. So when I was making 36K a year, I think my health insurance was like $40 or something, you know, really low. And it was in CNBC. So I'll just say, you know, now I pay about 400 a month and it's always been proportionate. So sometimes I feel like I should make guides to help people with health insurance. Cause I feel like they're not doing it correctly when they'll say to me like, Oh, my health insurance is $2,000 a month. I'm like, you're doing something incorrect. <laughs> it shouldn't be that much. So yeah, I haven't found health insurance to be a, a terrible issue. No one's matching my 401k though. That's correct. <laughs> So we've been talking about all that you've produced with freelancing. I've seen you say somewhere that you were thinking of possibly getting out of Fiverr. And you mentioned yourself that you're looking for ways of doing less freelance. Why the change? I mean, I think two things. I'm a classic entrepreneur at heart more than I am a freelancer. So I don't see myself as first and foremost a freelance writer. I see myself as a business person. And I've just happened to be freelance writing for the last six years. It's done really well for me. I'm so happy I have this experience that I can now use to help other people. But there's about 40 other things I want to do in this lifetime. So, you know, it's like the perfect time, I think, this year to move on a bit and go do all of the other things I want to do. And, you know, I would actually like to get into the news side of freelancing because I think it's really underrepresented and just the gig economy in general, I feel like. Older people, you know, who tend to control the news and everything, it aren't, ha- aren't really like talking about it like it should be. So I think that's kind of the next thing that I want to head into with it. So it will still have a freelancing flair, but I, I think I've earned the right to like maybe not write blog posts every day now, maybe. <laughs> Certainly you've earned that, right? <laughs> you mentioned a few terms. One, you said freelancing, two, entrepreneurship, three, gig economy, How are those different? I mean, I know there are a lot of people out there who think freelancing is entrepreneurship. I would argue that it is. And it sounds like you would argue that too. It is. Oh, being a freelancer is being an entrepreneur for sure. But it's a singular focus of your entrepreneurialism. Like you are a freelance writer. So you wake up every day and your whole business is based on you providing your writing to clients. I more so mean like when I say entrepreneur, I mean, I would love to write books, develop apps, own a company, own a meet, you know, like I want to go, I guess, be a serial entrepreneur. Like I want to go do a bunch of things and not just the singular entrepreneurial focus of freelancing. Did that answer that? Yes, it did. And in fact, I I think you're doing some of those things. Talk about some of your non quote unquote freelance work that you've been involved in. A lot of things. (laughs) I never stop working. One of my favorite things I'm doing right now, I actually co-own a business with my mother called Campfire Trailers, where we take old horse trailers and turn them into mobile bars and different business shells that people can use. And it's become especially relevant, again, because of COVID. I feel like if anyone, you know, knew my family, they think we have a crystal ball with COVID because we've managed to pick these businesses that are COVID proof. But I'm really looking forward to scaling that with her. We're working on contacting more manufacturers to get that moving. I have a mobile app, which I've actually put on pause recently because we're kind of reconsidering it. It's a trending photo map app, which used to make sense when people could walk into cafes everywhere. 
now because of COVID, that one actually sidelined that. So we're trying to figure out how to repurpose it for a, a post-COVID world. I have all my mentoring, my online courses, my eBooks. I'm I'm a crazy person. <laughs> and, and real estate, right? You have some interest in real estate or at least starting in real estate? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I could say I'm definitely a novice at it, but I'm sitting in my home I bought and I, you know, my mom helped me with researching this. So specifically bought this home in that one to two years, it will be worth a lot more than it is right now due to where it's located. I would love to, yeah, get into that. Of course, I'd love to have Airbnb properties. I do see it, it takes a lot more work than I thought though. So I don't think you can just dabble in investment properties. I think you need to, you know, be a little more prepared for them. So I think I need to just, you know, organize my businesses a little better and have some more time back to myself before I can think of buying another property. And tell us about some of the courses and eBooks that currently you have out there right now. Yeah, I have my most popular ebook is a Fiverr ebook. It's, you know, the whole tell all to Fiverr with all the pictures, everything someone would need to sign up and start making money on it. I have a few other free ebooks on Amazon that are just about traveling and working and time management, just some fun things. My online courses have been incredible for me. I just launched them in October. I actually recorded them in May during the pandemic because Josh, who I make them with, called me because he found me on TikTok. I now have four of them, you know, two Fiverr ones, a copywriting one, and um, monetizing your TikTok, which I've figured out how to do. I guess that's interesting to people. And, you know, we have an idea for another one. I'll probably go film soon. You know, online courses get a bad rep today, and it definitely makes me sad because I love them. I take them all the time. I think they're great. And I think for a lot of people, they could replace college for a lot of things. When I say that, people are like, oh, I don't want my doctor to take an online course, you know, and I'm like, I don't mean everything. I mean a lot of the liberal arts things, though. Yeah, it's notable that probably most of the things you do right now, you didn't necessarily need a college education for. Absolutely. Hands down. I, yeah. I mean, you know, people say, oh, with writing, you needed a, de- a degree maybe for now, but I think over time things are going to change. I think people are going to say not necessarily. So let's jump back to this idea of freelancing. There are a lot of people listening right now who are thinking, hmm, maybe that's something I'd like to do. How do you jump in? Like, what's the first step if you know nothing about freelancing, but are interested in it? You know what I would say is to sign up on these freelancing sites because there is nothing like experiencing it firsthand. It is definitely its own beast and its own little world. And these sites have their own little etiquettes and different things. So I would say to just first sign up, you know, just get it done instead of I see these people who will go years trying to perfect their copywriting, you know, do all these things and they won't sign up on the sites because they're afraid. And two years goes by and the person who just got on the site and started to make it happen even for $5 orders is way ahead of those other people. So I would say sign up. It's free. You don't have to just go on Fiverr. There's also Upwork. There's a bunch of new sites launching this year. I'm in talks with them because I'm becoming more passionate about you know the industry as a whole and not just Fiverr. LinkedIn's launching its own site. So I would say to sign up, start sifting around the website, look up people on those sites that are offering what you want to offer and study them. You know, how do they brand themselves? What are their pictures look like? How do they word their services? What are they charging? That's exactly what I did like for a week. Just go study these people to death. And then the last thing people say to me is, well, if no one's, you know, purchased my work, how do I make a portfolio then? And I say, it's really easy. You ask your friends and family who needs free work done. Somebody needs it and you're going to go do free work for them. You're going to help them out and boom, you have a portfolio. Again, it takes a week. And what's really cool about all of this is it's not expensive. It's You don't have to sign up. I mean, you have to pay to sign up. You don't need to buy an office. You don't need to do anything. So super low risk. And that's kind of what I love about it is that I think anybody could dive into it if they really want to. I was going to ask you about the non-Fiverr platforms, but as I listen to you, I kind of think the reason why people probably like Fiverr so much is you start with that $5 charge, which means no one's expecting you to be the ultimate expert or wizard at what they're hiring you for. And that does give you a little leeway to start building that, that resume of jobs that you've gotten accomplished. A hundred percent. I still tell people like Fiverr is the best site to get started on hands down. You know, they do take the 20%. I do have my beef with them with some of the stuff on the platform. I would, you know, I wish they were a little more seller centric. 
but nothing beats it when it comes to getting started. It's the perfect testing ground for everything. And I think if you do a year on there, you'll get the experience, the confidence you need to then, you know, take it off of there. And there's a lot of freelancers out there who don't use these platforms at all. They get all their leads from social media, from a website, from email marketing. You know, there's a whole nother side to this that I'm trying to learn more about actually so that I can be a better resource to people on it. Is there a so-called Bible for freelancers? Let's say you are new to freelancing and just need to go somewhere to learn about how it's done. I know you have your own courses, but is there anywhere that particularly on the internet people go to learn about this stuff? I don't think there really is one. And that's, I guess, what I'm trying to create here. I would say, you know, my ebook, I wouldn't call it a Bible on freelancing. It's maybe the Bible for Fiverr freelancing. But there, I wouldn't say there is a Bible on freelancing just in general. I mean, try, I'm trying to, you know, get there as fast as I can. I'd love to write it, of course. But it's still, all of this is so new that when I hear people say it's saturated, I laugh because um, it's so new that these people have no idea, like, it is not saturated at all. And I, that's why I say, like, get get into it now, because will it be someday? Probably. And is there any kind of personality type that really does not do well with freelancing? Like, do you ever look and say, OK, if you're if you're this kind of person, don't do freelancing. Look at something else. Yes. The perfectionist. <laughs> uh, perfectionist. No, because you have to meet timelines. You're not going to always feel like you've absolutely perfected the thing that you just finished and you need to be okay with that. So anybody who is a, you know, debilitating perfectionist, I don't know what personality type that translates to. I know if it's like a Zodiac, it's like maybe a Virgo, um, not going to probably do well, or you can work through it though. You know, I'm, doesn't necessarily mean you'll never be able to do it, but there's no room to be OCD with your work. If you want to be a freelancer, you have to be very open to just putting it out there and getting feedback for it. Well, Alex, I wanted to thank you for having this conversation. It definitely has opened up my mind. I remember those years where I was working away being a physician, just thinking that the possibility of doing something else wasn't out there. And it opened my eyes when I got this writing gig and someone was willing to pay me good money to write blog posts. That was back in 2010. Nowadays, this kind of work is more and more common. And Sometimes all we need is the confidence and the knowledge to jump in. And that's what it sounds like you are providing people. I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what is up next in your life. And if people want to connect and learn more, how can they find you on the internet? All right. What is up next for me is this freelancing news site that I really want to put a lot of attention into. It's going to be called freelancingstories.com. Having it built out now, I think that's what you can see from me next this year might also see me, you know, finally successfully pivot out of freelance writing myself to be determined. And if people want to follow along and watch all of this happen in real time, I would say follow my Instagram, which is where I post my personal stuff. And that's Alexandra Fasulo, the username. And my TikTok is absolutely where I recommend you go if you want to learn about this. That's where I do all my good educational content. And that username is Alex Fasulo Biz with a Z. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I wanted to thank Alex Fasulo. That's a wrap. Thanks, Doc. It's that time again for the community section of the Earn and Invest podcast. You know, one of the best places where we form our community is on the Facebook group. That is, if you go to earnandinvest.com slash Facebook, you can check us out. We are there 24-7 discussing topics very similar to what we have on our Monday and Thursday episodes. Become part of our community where we talk about personal finance, the economy, current events, you name it, we address it there. I'd love to see you become part of this community. Again, that's earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. We'll see you there. For the community segment today, I wanted to discuss an email I got. This has to do with my work as a physician, but I think it speaks also to this concept of side hustles and how we increase our income. This came from Robert. He writes, good day. I've been listening to your podcast for several months, actually just woke to podcasts in general after my tolerance for commercial radio ended. I have a daily commute, which I fill with various podcasts. I'm a 60-year-old general internist, that's a physician, 
I am looking forward to eventual retirement, likely within the next five years. I would not say I'm burned out with our profession, yet my internist wife has reached that stage and now works part-time in our practice. To the point of this contact, I heard you say you had worked as an internist and made seven figures. This made me intrigued to follow up on the details of how your medical business was structured to help you with this quite high financial performance. If you feel comfortable, then share generally how the heck you accomplished that as a general internist. All the best, Bob. Well, Bob, thank you for writing in. I wanted to discuss this on the podcast because I think it goes farther than just how you make money as a physician. I think it speaks somewhat to how we make money in general. So you asked, how did I go from an internist, a general physician who makes X, to one who eventually was making 5X? It was a long, windy road. But let me start with this idea that I went to work for a medical system, for a hospital system, in which they paid me X. Now, at that time, I was told by all my colleagues, there's no way you'll ever make a bonus. We had bonuses structured into our contract for how many patients we saw and how much we billed. But almost every doctor I talked to said, there is no way you'll make this bonus. Well, whenever someone says you can't do something, I always think of that as they can't, but possibly I could. So I started doing whatever I needed to to get busy. I started covering the overflow of the other doctors in my office and who were busy and couldn't see their own patients. I started working on Saturday mornings when other doctors didn't want to work. And then I went and saw a bunch of patients in the hospital, often covering for my colleagues because they couldn't make it there. Before I knew it, by year two of my practice, I'd gotten a large enough bonus that it actually doubled my salary. So I went from making X to 2X, still a long way from making 5X, but that was just the beginning. First and foremost, I started doing what I call lazy side hustles. These are side hustles which I could do where I didn't need any extra education or training because they were part of my job. So I started doing medical legal work. I was working as a medical expert. I didn't need any more training than being the general internist that I was, and that paid between $500 and $1,000 an hour. So I started to do that. I also became a medical director of some nursing homes. I started working as a consultant in hospice and palliative care. And then I also was writing about medicine in a blog and had been hired by a website to write monthly articles in which they paid me $500 an article. So I used side hustles to go from 2x to about 3 to 4x. Eventually, I left my employed position and started my own practice. I shouldn't say started. I joined another practice and became a partner That way I could control my overhead, and the more patients I saw, I was able to keep more of that money I made as opposed to giving it to my employer. Over the years, that boosted me to 4X. To get from 4X to 5X, the biggest jump of all was when I decided to leave my private practice and start a concierge practice. This concierge practice was very unique because I didn't have an office. So if you think about how doctors lose money, one of the big ways is they're paying for overhead, which is the office space, the employees, etc. I started a concierge practice where I saw my own patients in their own homes. So I didn't have an office space. I didn't have many employees. That way, pretty much everything I build, I got to keep. On top of that, I balanced that concierge practice with seeing patients in the nursing homes and a bunch of these nursing homes I was medical director in. So as part of their administration, I also had quite a number of patients there. So I was making money on my concierge practice. I was making money seeing my nursing home patients. And then I was getting medical directorships, medical legal work, etc. I did this for a number of years. And that really boosted my salary to just under seven figures. Eventually, I decided to leave, however, when I realized that when I was making that balance between money and meaning in my life, the meaning had gone down and the money had gone up and it just didn't feel as good. I didn't feel like this was what I was meant to do. Lo and behold, I discovered Jim Daly, the white coat investor. I read his book and realized that I was financially independent. And then I did the exact opposite. I started subtracting from my work, from my job, those things I didn't find pleasure anymore. So the concierge medicine practice was the first to go because I didn't get like I didn't like getting calls in the middle of the night to go see patients 30 miles away in their homes. 
After that, I let go of the nursing homework. Eventually, all that I was left with was the consulting for hospice and palliative care, which was the work that I enjoyed the most, the work I would do even if I wasn't getting paid for. So that is how I went from making X, a beginning internist salary, to making 5X, and then eventually went right back down to making X or even a little bit less than X as I whittled my career down, realizing I had enough money, and started doing only things I enjoyed. Right now we're talking about how a physician can make more money, but I think a lot of this is applicable to the rest of you out there in the community at your jobs. There are lots of ways to make more money, whether that be being more efficient in your job, whether that means taking on lazy side hustles where you already have the skill and education to do them, or whether that means going into your own business or finding a new way of utilizing your skills. These are ways to make more money. Just keep in mind, as I eventually had to, that more money does not mean more happiness. And at some point, you really have to weigh meaning versus money, because ultimately money is not the goal unto itself. It is just a lever to help us spend our time in ways that bring us meaning and purpose and that assert the identity that we truly want to have. So thank you, Bob. I appreciate your email. I hope this information was helpful. And most importantly, I wish you the best luck in not only increasing your income but also increasing your happiness. Cool. So that was fun. All right. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. I thought we got a lot of good information out there. I thought we got good stuff about freelancing. Was it okay me asking you kind of about some of the naysayers? Because I didn't want to delve totally deep into it. But I felt like it was part of your story and interesting. Oh, I I appreciate the ability to like clear my name on it, you know, because it's like I see somebody puts out a juicy negative article and I can't stop its popularity because people love love it, you know. So it's like I appreciate any opportunity to like defend myself a little bit. And um, no, that was great. Those were great questions. I talked about like much more interesting stuff on this. Sometimes people will ask me just the same stuff that everyone knows. So this was I appreciated this. Yeah, I try to, whenever I interview someone, my goal for this, so this podcast is called Earn and Invest. It actually used to be called What's Up Next. And the idea was to really kind of either delve deeper or get people who have been out there in the community, but ask them about things that they normally don't talk about or in a way they don't normally talk about them. So that's always kind of my goal is is to get down deeper um, into what your story is. And I think your story is really interesting. So what I suspect is you... Probably to be as successful as you are, you have to have a very specialized skill set, which makes you not a one of a kind, but one of a few, probably to be as successful as you are. But what I like about the story is you don't have to make three hundred and seventy or three hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year. You can make one hundred and fifty or one hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year and really do great. And that's kind of the idea is that that probably the top one percent or people on Fiverr probably do have very specialized skills but you could be the top 20 or 30% and make a really nice living out of it and be able to do the stuff that you're talking about, which is travel and have much more control over your time and, and kind of pursue their life. Yeah, no. And I've, um, in the past six months, I've started like, I guess mentoring, you know, is the word for it, but I've started working like hands-on with a lot of people and I'll just sometimes pick people to like, just help them. So I can see they're struggling or whatever. And, um, every time like these people are just, their, their businesses are taking off. Cause I was like, oh, is this just me? Like, you know, should I not be putting this out there? Am I peddling like false hope to people? And I've seen like 10, 50 people, their profiles are taking off, their lives are changing. And I'm like, no, it's not just me who can make like decent money at this. And that's why now I'm like, now no one can shut me up. I'm going to keep sharing it. Which I think is important. And I do think kind of the little bit we talked about right now, society and social media is extremely tough on successful women. And it's, it's really, it's messed up. And I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's embarrassing. I think in so many ways, how much we've screwed up race and gender and all this stuff. 
but yeah. I can imagine, I know enough women content producers that I constantly hear of the horrible stuff they get. And again, every content producer gets a little, uh, yeah. but successful women tend to get it just in droves. Yeah. It's, it sucks. I, I feel like I can't have fun with it. Like guys can who do what I do. Cause I'm friends with a lot of these guys who are killing it. And I'm like, I love that they're killing it. And I love when they have fun with it. Like, I don't mind if they get the sports car and throw the dollars in the air. Like that's fun. But it's like the guys get to have fun. And then when I see the girls try to do that, they just get raked over the coals. Like, yeah. Did you get a lot of crap for the, cause the, the CNBC, the, the article I saw was about buying a $50,000 car in cash, blah, 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 which, you know, they did that because it gets a lot of eyes and sure, it's, it's, sure. it's popcorn for the eyes, right? So pe- people love to read those articles, but it's not necessarily what the article is about. Yeah, no, it's like, I just, it just bums me out. Cause I'll see like all these guys will write. Cause that's like the thing they can get me on. So they'll be like shaking my head classic. Like girl wouldn't know that she shouldn't have done that or what a stupid car to buy. Or they'll like write all this stuff. And then I'll read under guys who rent a Lamborghini for a day. They'll write like, you're yeah. the man, you're the man. What a nice, whatever. And I'm just like, I, I, I give up. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like you have a fairly healthy attitude about it, but I, I try, I try and have a good sense of humor. Um, I try and let my humor come through on my stuff. Cause I feel like there's no other way to get through this without like laughing a little bit. The corporate world is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job. My family doesn't come from corporate background, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. This is not your typical work podcast. Sometimes you need to be empathetic. And then there are times that you ask for input, but you don't really give a shit. <laughs> Listen to the Ambi Award-nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. Stretch opportunity. What is this, yoga class? Get out of here. Tech moves fast, so keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts.